0: You are listening to This is Oklahoma, hosted by Mike Hearn, telling stories of Oklahomans and those that have made it their home.
1: What's going on, guys? Welcome back to another episode of This is Oklahoma. Mike Hearn here, your host, back with another episode. Um, Sat across the table from, I think this is... I think you're the first person who's politically, politician, politically work. I don't know the right word for it. You're a politician, right? Yeah.
0: (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I think it's the first person. Uh, Public servant. How's that? (laughs) I guess,
1: welcome to the podcast, I should say, Cindy Munson. Yes. I'm really excited about this. Yeah, good. Um, You know, just reading through your bio and just kind of seeing, um, you know, the first Asian American to be elected in Oklahoma Mm -hmm. and just everything that goes along with, you know, family's heritage and being there and- same with myself not being from here and mm-hmm. obviously my family's not from here but one day my family will be from here and, and kind of all that goes along with that you know um and just kind of the words that I've spoken the words I've heard from people who have spoken about you and the great things they say and I'm really excited I know we've been trying to do this for a long time yeah
0: a very long time
1: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we've both been pretty busy uh but no it's uh, I'm excited um you know politics is is a crazy crazy thing to be in
0: mm-hmm.
1: um Especially if you're a female in politics, right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm sure you see that every Very day. Very different
0: perspective and right. experience than um, my male colleagues.
1: Yeah. But uh, for that, I mean, I commend you on going into it because it's not an easy task. Yeah. I'm sure. Uh, Thank something you. I definitely would want to do. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, I mean, could be anybody calling you up every day, just asking questions of something they've seen on the news and it doesn't relate to you. Yeah. Um, which <laughs> that sh- happens
0: a lot. <laughs> a lot.
1: Yeah. Um, but... Uh, I guess how how did you get into
0: politics and why why choose to go down this route? Yeah, that's a very good question. Um, it's sort of a long answer, but I'll start um, just sharing my um, professional background before I ran for office. I mm-hmm. worked in the nonprofit sector, so um, have always been passionate and interested in uh, finding solutions for people who face really um, great challenges. Mm -hmm. um, And in particular, women and girls in Oklahoma. So I worked for the Girl Scouts of Western Oklahoma prior to running for office. Um, But, uh, you know, looking back in my childhood and the things that I was involved in in high school in college and graduate school, um, I've always been interested in advocating for women in leadership and have always admired women who were in government and ran for office, regardless of what party they were in. Uh, But like you mentioned, there are no Asian American women elected to office in Oklahoma. And so, um, that was something that I've had always wrestled with. Um, and you mentioned my mom, well, being Asian, my mom is from Seoul, South Korea. My dad's from Cincinnati, Ohio. So, um, my mom's experience obviously is very different than my dad's, uh, life experience. But, um, when you look at my bio, you don't see what you see in some other politicians like fifth generation Oklahoman, <laughs> or, you know, they've lived decades and decades in, yeah. you know, a certain part of the state and, um, being in a military family, um, even though I spent, mo- I have spent most of my life in Oklahoma. I grew up in Lawton. That's where the art um, right. artillery army base is, um, and my dad was stationed there when I was four and a half, five ish. Mm-hmm. Um, so Oklahoma has really been home for me, but I still have always felt like an outsider a little bit because I didn't have extended family here or anything like that. Yeah. So those barriers are very real when you're thinking about wanting to serve in public office, especially in a state like Oklahoma that really values knowing that you've been from a particular community for so many years right. and generations of your family have lived here. Um, but I also knew that service was going to be a part of my life. I just didn't know what that looked like. Yeah. Um, so I had spent about five years with the Girl Scouts and um, was doing a lot of work in our community program. So I worked in schools and um, our detention centers at the county level and also at the state level, and then working with um, the Oklahoma City Housing Authority. So in public housing working with girls and their families. And in that experience, I just really started to see the the challenges of poverty and lack of quality education um, and jobs for our families. And, and I grew up, uh, my parents divorced when I was in eighth grade. And so my dad raised my sister and I on his own. Mm-hmm. And um, I just Remember very clearly and vividly the struggles that we had financially, emotionally, and uh, we really had to lean on our community in order to be successful. And I'm grateful that I had great teachers and mentors and friends whose parents kind of took on the role of being my mom, you know, Mm -hmm. and um, I have a younger sister. who just had a baby just under 2 years ago so I'm a new aunt, a new aunt. so that's yeah. very and, important and you can be like
1: my wife likes to say you can be the cool aunt exactly right? yeah
0: the cool aunt that yeah. you know he gets to kind of the capital and and thing and one eventually he'll understand what all that means but <laughs> um but yeah so all of that has really shaped my view of how we should treat each other and how Politicians should um, look at their life life's work, and um, I really feel like it's important to advocate for those who don't have lobbyists at the Capitol, who don't have a voice um, that's as prevalent as those who are in power. And so, I ran in 2014. I was 28 at the time. That was my first race, and I was recruited by an organization called Sally's List. Uh, My initial reaction was, "No, I'm not running for office. I love my job at Girl Scouts. I have student." Loans. I'm 28. I don't really yeah. know how to make this work. Um, and I also brought up the fact that, and I had volunteered, um, on campaigns when I was in college and my degrees in political science. And so I've always, like I said, had an interest, mm-hmm. but, um, I know that walk cards are what we give to you when we knock doors. And um, when you think about a politician, you can envision what their mail looks like. What do you get in the mail? Family, cute dogs, American flags, you know? Yeah. And I was like, that's not what my life looks like. I'm single, I don't have children. I'm a Democrat. I mean, what is this <laughs> going to look like, you know? And because um, I understood the political realities. Right. I mean, um, it, it's tough and, and I can share some of my experience being a Democrat running for office, but... In a predominantly Republican seat where no Democrat has ever won before. And um, but I knew that that was going to be a challenge. And so originally I did say no, but I was given time and space to think about it. And I ultimately decided that those were the reasons I had to run to show young women and to show people that um, not all politicians are white, straight males who are Republican. Yeah. Uh, there are so many different types of people who should be at the Capitol representing their values and their views on how Oklahoma can be a better state for everybody. Um, so yeah, in 2014, I knocked thousands and thousands of doors. I was able to raise just a little over $70,000. I was running against a well-known, uh, very beloved incumbent, um, but, and he was so kind to me. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but he didn't represent what I thought we should be talking about. And right. so I respectfully ran against him. Um, and it was, it was actually a good thing for me to lose yeah, because I learned a lot about what it takes to run for office and, um, it's not easy. <laughs> and it's good to have uh to be humbled a little bit yeah, in case definitely. there's another opportunity to run. And at that time I didn't know what was in the future. Um, but yeah, so that's why I decided to run. It's so it's like it's sort of a culmination of my personal life and what I believe, and then my professional life and what I was seeing. And, and a lot of my work, I did do direct programming, so I was able to work closely with girls and their parents um, and their families. Um, but then I was starting to move up in the organization, doing more administrative work around grants and yeah. hiring staff. And I just kind of got to this place where I felt like um, we ha- I have to do more than just write grants and serve girls through these programs which is great work i love it i miss it very much but if the policies don't change at a state level and our policymakers don't understand the real life struggles then things really don't change we're just sort of putting a band-aid on these problems yeah. so
1: yeah yeah and like i said you know you it's like i said it was a good thing that you didn't win that first time because you learned so much mm-hmm. in the defeat right and it yeah went, you know not that it was a failure but like you learn so much in that and you have to take everything away from that mm-hmm. and then to run again and win yeah uh and it was close too wasn't it yeah was it <laughs> well and it was something 54 percent. yeah like
0: that? yeah yeah and that was tough because my opponent was pretty well funded and well known too i yeah. mean he grew up in in that district and people knew him and his family really well and i yeah. knew it was going to be a hard race too what what exactly is it, is it 85? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. I'm glad I remember that. Yes, good um, job.
1: <laughs> so what are the com- confines of that? The We're- main
0: boundaries are um, north of Northwest Expressway and south of 122nd between MacArthur Boulevard and Pennsylvania Avenue. Okay. And then I do go southeast between Classen Boulevard and 235. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, to uh 36th street which is the area that that i live in so it's my more it's the more southeastern portion of my district yeah um but the neighborhoods are crown heights bell isle um quail creek i have a portion of nichols hills in the village and and lake hefner yeah um and then i do go northwest to hefner and Rockwell, so that's my most northwest portion. Guess,
1: yeah. mm-hmm. So it's not just a little square that you have. No, no it's, it's not. <laughs> <laughs>
0: um, Somebody once described—I think it was after my special election—reporter said, would, "Would you describe your your district as a piece of pizza dipped in ranch?" And I was like, "That's exactly <laughs> it. It's kind of like this triangle that's dipping into this little square." And yeah. Um, so yeah, it's and it's a neat district. I mean, yeah. there's a lot of development for business happening, a lot of new growth in housing, and
1: that's very diverse. Yeah. Too. Mm -hmm. I mean you have like I said you have like a little bit of Nicholas Hill's Crown Heights and all that stuff and Mm -hmm. then Hefton and Rockwell and like Mm -hmm. you have every kind that you could come across I think in those which is great because you get to talk to everybody and, and you know get to it, I'm sure it's hard sometimes having to just like not sell yourself, but you are kind of like, mm-hmm. you know, hey, I'm doing this or whatever. Yeah. To different demographics, to different yeah. people who pay in different tax brackets or whatever it is.
0: Mm-hmm. And the trick is to stay the same right. regardless. And, yeah. um, and, and just being myself yeah. and, and, you know, there are some neighborhoods I feel more comfortable because it's the way I grew up and, and I grew up in an apartment and I mean, we lived in yeah. apartments for most of my life, uh, as a child. And then eventually my parents did own a home, but, um, so that's sort of my safe place, you yeah. know, cause, and I don't remember anyone coming by knocking doors. Um, and, and then there are some neighborhoods that I'm like, oh, I can never imagine. Right. Like where's <laughs> the front door? Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> like walking up this giant y- driveway. Y- y- yeah. Like, is this a front oh. door? Yeah. Oh, it's but what's a guest so house. <laughs> interesting is um and what I wish people could see through what I wish people could see what I see in yeah. here and um it's interesting that regardless of those neighborhoods yes different interests for the most part but there are they all care about their schools and right. they all care about their families and they all care about Oklahoma being a better state and so it's kind of interesting to know um you know, I'll have I'll um, meet people and like, oh, well, that neighbor won't vote for you because they're Republican <laughs> or that. I know that neighbor is very Democrat yeah. and it's just based on signs and whatever they yeah. put outside of their house. And it's like, you know, you have more in common than you think. And yeah. you also try talking to each other more often. And um, and I love just hearing about people's lives and, and all of that. So, yeah. So, yeah. So selling myself part is not my favorite part, but um, but hearing stories. Right. I really like that,
1: and and you graduated from UCO, mm-hmm. right? Yes. So from from living in Lawton from such a young age, how did you get from there to UCO? Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. So neither of my parents went to college, um, and but college was always the primary goal. I mean, that was my dad was always like, I don't care what you do after, just make sure you go to college. Yeah. Um, I UCO was actually the first university I had taken a tour of, and I just felt comfortable there, and um the tour guides and um, the staff from the recruitment and enrollment office were very vigilant about talking about leadership development and the opportunities to really practice leadership at UCO and the smaller class sizes and affordability and all those things. And I promise I'm not trying to create a commercial for UCO here, but it's true. And I just felt at home, um, you know, everyone thinks they're going to go to OU or OSU. And that's sort of what we all talked about. And I definitely had friends who went to both and went out of state and, and then some that went to UCO, but um, I just followed my heart in that moment that um, I felt like this is where I fit in. I really feel like I can already trust the staff members here. And because my, a lot of my success in high school was because I, had really great teachers and advisors that I could trust and lean on. Um, and, And my dad would tell you this, that he has no experience filling out scholarship forms or how to apply for college and, um, so I had to lean on others for that. Um, and I really felt like that was that Edmund and UCO would be a safe place for me to go to college and, and yeah. succeed. And was it like at that kind of like high school then into
1: college level that you knew that you wanted to be in the political science kind of?
0: No, <laughs> I originally started as a business major. And I yeah. thought I'm going to be an international business. I'm going to travel around, I'm going to make all this money. And For Nike or whatever it is, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Um, and then I went into you know these business classes. I was like, oh, this isn't really me. And um, I was taking general ed classes, but um, I was in my American national government class, and I just loved it. Mm. I just loved it, and it just came natural. Um, and so I quickly just flipped my minor and my major. And so my minor's in business administration, and then I have a minor in leadership.
1: Okay. And then, like you said, that wasn't... You did go out of state then after you graduated, right?
0: Yes. How was that experience? (laughs) Yeah. So first, I you know, as I was getting closer to my senior year of college as a political science major, I'm like, okay, what are the next steps? Do I try to go to law school? Do I go work on a campaign? Do I try to work at the Capitol? You know, there wasn't really a clear path for me. Uh, But I started working with the Girl Scouts. I was actually volunteering and then they hired me as a paid stipend volunteer. And I worked at Emerson High School, which is an alternative school downtown. And I worked uh, with girls who were between their sophomore and senior years. And, um, I taught a leadership class their first hour and my eyes were just opened up to, um, teen pregnancy, incarceration, um, and the lack of services for families, um, who really need them. And I just, I thought I can teach leadership, and we'll talk about leadership. They were not interested in that. Yeah. Um. And and it was really great because we got to have real life discussions, and and how to navigate life, and um, and to be able to share some of my life story with them too. Because in their eyes, I was this perfect college student. I was like, oh no no no. Yeah, <laughs> this is a long road to get here, and and I had a lot to overcome too. Fortunately, I had people in my life who helped me, and I'm thankful for that. But, um, so when I was doing all that work, I was like, I want to work for with girls. I want to work for a nonprofit like Girl Scouts. It, it just didn't all make sense. Um, I really enjoyed getting my minor in leadership. Uh, my graduating class was the first class to to get that minor um, or to graduate with that minor. And so I had a mentor at UCO who was from Nebraska um, who did her graduate work at the University of Nebraska and said, you need to go check out Nebraska. They have a leadership education program. And a lot of times when you look up leadership master's programs, they're in education or they're like executive business management programs. But this was studying the psychology and discipline of leadership. And I really wanted to focus on women and especially uh, girls who who don't have leadership opportunities or resources and what organizations provide those. Yeah. So um, I went to visit. I don't think I had ever been to Nebraska, <laughs> and I, Nebraska is not that different from Oklahoma culturally. So, even though I was away, there were some um, comforts there. Uh, when I told my dad I was interested going interested in going to the University of Nebraska, he first brought up the football team. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I was like, I don't even know about their football team. Although now I'm a big Husker fan, so. Okay. Um, But yeah, I met the chair of the department and then I met who would become my graduate school advisor um, and helped me with my thesis. And I just felt comfortable there too. And I liked the idea of going to a bigger university because I didn't have, since I didn't have that experience at UCO. um, Was it
1: completely different?
0: Yes and no. Uh, no, because in graduate school, your classes are just smaller. Um, and then yes, in the sense of there's all these different opportunities and different types of people to meet and, um, the, the greater, the connection that's just sort of all over the country and all over the world. We have that at UCO too. Um, but I felt like as a graduate student, I would have more opportunities and I didn't do a ton of like research. Um, I wasn't a research assistant. I did have a, um, so I didn't, I wasn't like a TA, but I did have a fellowship and I was able to work on campus and work with students and things like that. And it just gave me a different perspective. And actually, so the university of Nebraska has their downtown campus, which they call city campus. And then there's East campus, which is where the college of ag is, is located in their uh, college of law. And uh, so most of the students came with a, a, a rural background who are going into ag, which is it's Funny to say this since I'm from Oklahoma, but it was like I'd never been exposed to all of that the way that I was when I was in graduate school. Right. So, um, so yeah, I ended up going to the University of Nebraska. I stayed after I graduated, um, maybe about a year, and then ultimately decided to move back to Oklahoma. And I did work for the Girl Scouts there okay. for a little bit. And in that whole mix, you went mm-hmm. to all Georgetown
1: first a semester, yes. right? Yes. Yeah. How was that being in like the whole like political kind of like? Pol- yeah. I mean that's like
0: I loved the mecca of yeah. like
1: politics, right? <laughs> Every politician's like gotta go spend time there. Yeah, kind of thing, right?
0: I loved it, and I um, actually that's where I learned a little bit more about how nonprofits work. Yeah, um, and and again, you know, I didn't have family members who who uh, were involved in nonprofits and. Yeah. Um, and those kinds of things so you know like most people who think oh how do you even make a living working at a non-profit there's no profit you know yeah. um but that was actually where i met someone who worked for the girl scouts of the usa okay. and got so that's how i got more familiar with girl scouts i was not involved in girl scouts growing up i knew what it was but um didn't understand how you work yeah. for the organization at the time uh but yeah i went to georgetown i i did that program through uh, the fund for American studies. They recruit students who are interested in different types of aspects of government. Mm -hmm. There's like an economic, um, uh, pathway and then there's journalism. Um, there's one more that I can't remember off the top of my head. And then um, I was in the Institute of uh, Philanthropy and Voluntary Services. So most of us uh, interned at a nonprofit while yeah. we were in D.C. We didn't intern a, on Capitol Hill. Um, and then we took courses at Georgetown. Was
1: there anything while you were there or and even doing your time, like you said, at, at UCO in Nebraska, was there anything, what was like, I guess, U.S. politics like at that time? What What years was that?
0: That was, so I graduated college in 2008, so Obama was getting ready to be elected. So yeah. when my first so year of graduate school, then. Oh yeah. yeah. i I mean, I've, I like Hillary Clinton and I su- supported her in the primary in 2008 and, um, Barack Obama actually came here. Um, Andrew Rice brought him here to an event yeah. and I got tickets and I was like, I'm, I mean, I'll go hear him, but I'm not going to be into him, you know, yeah, <laughs> I'm yeah, Hillary yeah. Clinton all the way. Yeah. And, uh, I went to the event and I told someone who was standing next to me, I was like, uh-oh, I think I like him. <laughs> um, and, you know, and once he won the primary, I was behind him. And yeah. actually, I remember exact the election day, my roommates were at a conference, um, so I was home by myself. And when all the results were coming in, I sat and watched CNN on my couch by myself crying <laughs> and immediately told my dad, I have to go. To his inauguration. I have no idea how to make that happen, but I have to go. Yeah. And my dad said, well, we'll figure it out. And so I got a plane ticket for Christmas. And then, um, I had a friend, friends who lived in DC that I, um, knew because of my program when I was yeah. there. Um, and so, yeah, I started my trek at 3am freezing cold, uh, January Is it 20th or 21st? I know that's bad. But when the president gets inaugurated um, (laughs) in 2009, and uh, I, yeah, freezing cold. And it was the most, I mean, it was just amazing. I was hugging people I'd never met. Um, I was waiting in line with my friend to eat at Ben's Chili Bowl, which is like a very popular, famous chili place in DC that Barack Obama loves. And uh, there was this family behind us. We all ended up eating together. Um, It was a really hopeful time and it was pretty neat. And for my dad it was a big deal. My dad is not a Democrat. Um but my dad loves that I'm in public service and um I think he kinda enjoys that we don't agree so he can ask me all these questions. And um but my dad said, you know, I I fought for this country so that we could have that peaceful transition and I'm getting goosebumps and holding back tears because I will never forget watching president Bush fly away and it just being calm and quiet and feeling safe in a sense, you know? And so I will never forget that experience and really just the humanity of it all. Just everyone being so excited and hopeful that change was coming. Right. <laughs> it's a huge point like in US to, history. You know, b- uh sound bites of President Obama, but it's true. It was just such yeah. an exciting time and um it was really neat that I was able to do that.
1: Yeah, that day must have been so cool to experience. Yeah. yeah. Regardless if you're in the professional or not. Yeah. Like yeah. you say, just hugging <laughs> randoms just put, like there's so much hope around yeah. and it's kind of like a new start, mm-hmm. right? I must have been I remember watching it on TV. hmm Um I was still home, I think. Yeah, I must have been, and just like, i would never seen. It. I I never really until then. I hadn't paid attention to like an, an inauguration day. Yeah. Um, and it's the only one I've ever watched.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> you know, but just like seeing the stuff that goes on and yeah. like that's kind of really cool. Yeah. Um. So from that day, you know, you come back to Oklahoma, mm-hmm. and I guess you're finishing up and obviously going to do more work with the girls, Girl, Sc- Girl yeah. Scouts, which, like I said, it's an amazing job because, yeah. no, you don't need cookies all right. day, unfortunately. <laughs> I'd like to. But they are stacked yeah. <laughs> everywhere because I've been in the building. Um, how does that get you to, like, where you are now then? So, so mm-hmm. like you said, you, someone asked you to run and you failed the first time and then got through the second time. Mm-hmm. Was it kind of like, um, oh, now I've done it. Now what? Or was it like great let's do what i have kind yeah. it i you know it's that's a good question cuz it's, it's
0: actually a very it was a big life transition yeah. so um and i share this with people sometimes it's a little complicated to share but since we have time um yeah. So I lost by 1,502 votes. (laughs) I'll never forget. I saw I I received 43.6% of the vote. The next day I had the day off and then I knew I would go back to work. So I had already planned a day off just in case whatever would have happened to just kind of decompress and all that. And that night I said, you know, I know I've lost, but 2016, I'm running again. You you know, and I was ready to re-strategize, you know, strategize again and, um, But then, so I went back to work, um, obviously that was in November and, uh, you know, having these conversations with my consultants and, and they're good friends of mine and saying, you know, what is the, the, um, reality of winning in 2016. Like, is that something that's possible? Should we wait longer? What, what should we do? And then what's my future with Girl Scouts? Is this really what I want to do? Are there other things I want to do? I felt a lot of growth Mm from myself and my confidence and my self-esteem, my understanding of different issues um, and really wanting a challenge. And, um, but I didn't really know what that looked like. So I spent a lot of time just sort of thinking and praying and reading and journaling and all and talking to friends. And I just kind of got to this place where I felt like um, it's probably time for me to leave the Girl Scouts and um, do something different. But I had no idea what that looked like. I thought, you know, I had started a political um, action committee, so PAC, to help raise money for women, um, Democratic women running for office, Mm because that was sort of my biggest um, challenge was raising money as a first time candidate, someone who doesn't really come from any kind of wealth or money or political
1: experience.
0: Um, and then just being younger and, and friends who are not in a, in a financial place to be giving big donations. Um, and a lot of women struggle with that. And then, um, so yeah, I was just sort of questioning and, and thinking and, um, I ultimately left, well, I made the decision that I would leave. Um, but it was like, nothing's on the other side and everybody thought you're crazy <laughs> you love the girl scouts this is a joke yeah um and of course people who know me well are like no plans you don't have anything else and i was like no that was a shock to all your yeah, friends yeah it was a shock to me yeah but i just felt like it was a time to take a leap of faith and i just didn't know what that was and then um so i left i had saved a little bit of money i mean, i knew it wasn't going to be this like I'm gonna take a few years off. No, I'm going to Europe like from that. Yeah, no, yeah. no, no. It was like I'm just gonna take a breather. Yeah. Because running for office takes so much mental and emotional and physical energy; it just drains you. And um, it's also exciting, but it does take a lot of energy to do it every day. And and I was working full time with the Girl Scouts, and they were so gracious to work around my schedule and help me, you know, figure that out and right. and do both. Um. So that was 2015. And then in April, my sister was getting married in May. So we were kind of focused on that. And um, I remember having this thought one day in my car thinking, you know, I've really got to learn how to get more courageous because there's going to be a day that I'm going to be in the house and I'm going to need to figure out how to become more courageous. And I have no idea where that thought came from, but it came through my mind. I was driving down 63rd street. I vividly remember thinking that was weird. Um, and then April came and, um, David Dank had passed away and I had my phone turned over because I was working. I'm admitting I was late on getting all my sister's wedding invites, (laughs) written out and I was running behind and I needed to get that done. And so I was trying to stay focused and I turned my phone over and I had seen all these missed calls, all these text messages from people that were, that I knew from like campaigning political Mm -hmm. stuff. So I was like, what's going on? And, uh, that was a really hard day for me because I thought, what does that mean? Mm -hmm. And, and, and the devastation of him and his family and his wife had just passed away, I guess, two years before that. Um, and, and just the fact that everyone's like, what are you going to do? And it's like, first of all, I'm very much processing this. I have no idea what's going on. And... Um, I have
1: a ton of handwritten notes right, to write. <laughs> and
0: my sister's getting married, and that's really my priority right now. Yeah. Um, but the governor had announced that there would be a special election, so you kind of had to make a quick uh, 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 decision. Really? And it felt really... There were moments where it just felt kind of cold and weird. and um, But I just felt like this maybe something I need to do because Mm -hmm. everything is in place. We just have to basically like turn on the on switch. Yeah. Everyone's (laughs) ready to go. It's It's like like, the website's still there. Social media still exists. Everything's still kind of alive and well. And so, I, I was like yes I have to do this I have no idea how I'm gonna make this work I don't have a job um, but I am I'm gonna go all in and that's what yeah. it was going to take anyway regardless of of what the situation would have been and so so yeah I ran in 2015 I think there were four or five Republicans who had filed to run so they had a pretty intense primary um, so my days looked like so, It started in May. The election was September 8th. Um, So it's not like this full year. You don't have that much time. Um, So every day I did call time from like nine to three, which is cold calling in a sense, but fundraising on the phone. And then from three till sundown, I knock doors every day, every day. No day off. Barely barely some time off on Sunday. and um, But I just felt so energized yeah. and excited and couldn't believe it. I mean, the first couple of weeks were very difficult for me emotionally. Like I said, people and myself included really respect David Dank and the work that he did. He was sort of this... Uh, There were some things we did agree on too, as much as there were things that we disagreed on, but he, he was not the type to just follow the party and people really, really valued that. And in my district, (laughs) they value that. Mm -hmm. They want someone who thinks independently. They want someone who stands up for what they believe in, even if they disagree. And so, so yeah, it was the first couple weeks were really tough. Yeah. What's, Um, I mean, how many
1: doors are you knocking a day?
0: (laughs) oh hundreds yeah <laughs> um you know my first race i i knocked somewhere between 10,000 to 15,000 doors on my own and the, and that was a span of like a year and a half and then in um
1: and it's not like it's hot yeah it's it? hot <laughs> it's the middle of the summer yeah so
0: my special election was summer yeah it was it was brutal um but it was it was obviously worth it, I guess. And well, yeah, it yeah. was worth it. Some days it's like, was I, it worth it? I'm just thinking um, about like
1: my hands or my knuckles if I have to knock yeah, that many yeah, doors. Yeah. Luckily, there's latches yeah. or whatever. But
0: and the summertime can be really tricky because people are on vacation; they're not right. thinking about it. And and the special election date landed the day after Labor Day, so people are not thinking about an election. Mm-hmm. They're thinking about the last summer vacation, last time, you know, before we really get into school mode yeah. and and things like that. And so it, we had to be vigilant about, um, making sure people even knew an election was going on. And my district has a pretty high voter turnout and people are educated and active in the process. So yeah. that was a huge plus. Um, but my job was to make sure that I, I was talking to as many people as possible. And at this point, this was just a different election. This now is an mm-hmm. open seat It and it was less about, um, just political party. It was about, you know, who, who do you want to represent you this is a whole new generation of leadership in a sense and so um and knowing that if i won i would have to turn around and run immediately yeah again so
1: yeah so, i have like- been
0: running for office since 2013 like 2014 15 16 18 2020 I mean, yeah it's just been kind of a crazy my life has just like flown by <laughs>
1: but clearly it's a passion. You love doing it. Otherwise Mm -hmm. you wouldn't be doing it. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I really love, I really love campaigning. I really do like talking to people and I like hearing, it's interesting to hear people's perspectives on what they think is going on at the Capitol or what they hear, how they perceive it. Um, and I think that the door knocking has built a lot of trust. So I know we were kind of joking that I, I do regularly get emails and calls about things that I don't have control over, but they, I think they know they can reach out and Mm -hmm. will help. Um, as much as we can. And so, so yeah, I do love it. You know, the politics of it all is really hard and it's hard being in the minority, um, in Oklahoma and fighting for things that, you know, would help Oklahomans. Um, but, but the majority doesn't always agree with you on what, and you don't have the power to put that in the forefront of the agenda. That's not our role. That's the majority's role to set what they're, we have our agenda, but you know, yeah. You need more, more folks in your caucus in order to, to push that, um, agenda. And so, so there are days that are really hard where I do question if I'm making a difference. And, and I think if you're doing your job, right, any leader okay. would sit and reflect and say, am I doing what I'm meant to do? Am I actually making a difference? Um, I think I find those moments when, uh, it's not always in legislation I pass or vote on, but when people feel heard. And, and that takes, that gives me days of energy, you know, that they feel like someone cares about them. Mm -hmm.
1: From all the door knocking, was there anything that like any moments or anything that really surprised you or just kind of, yeah, I guess surprised you?
0: Yeah. In the beginning, it was really interesting to me how many times and how frequent or how frequent people would ask me, what is your political party? The, as their first question. Yeah. And, um, I get criticized for this, but I don't put Democrat on my materials. And there's a few reasons for that. Mainly I want people to know Cindy and I want them to, cause, because I do know that political party, especially in this state, we're just so partisan that, um, that just, that closes the door for any type of conversation. So if yeah. you have to look at the wall card and read about my, 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 parents and you know what my dad did or what I did you know in my professional life and you know it it develops questions that are more than just what your political party is um and People will always admit what their political party is to me, and I'm like, Well, I kind of already know because I know your voter registration information yeah. because it's public, so know that I'm not right getting information illegally or anything. But, um, which
1: people freak out about, that yes. stuff still don't yeah. they? Yeah, and, <laughs> like, and, and how do you know that? Yeah, yeah you voted? privacy
0: <laughs> is a value, and yeah. so it's um, it's tricky, but um. So that was really surprising. You know, the questioning of my faith was really surprising. It shouldn't be because I've been in faith communities where I know, um, being a Democrat is a bad thing. Um, and, and that's unfortunate and that's not to drag anyone down or anything like that, but that's just my experience and, and sort of what you hear in churches and things like that. Um, it was always tough to tell people I was a Democrat, Um, so that was interesting. I have many stories on conversations about that. Um, how quickly the conversation goes to the national level versus what's happening on a local level and what I can actually change. Um, those are some of the more negative things, but the positive things are, are the kindness of people and how quickly people will say, do you need a drink of water? Or can I get you something to eat? Or you should sit down and rest and, you know, and so there is a deep care and, and I, I, think what's so great about door knocking is being able to be in proximity of people who don't agree with you. And I'm standing in a very vulnerable place in their life. I'm on the front porch of their house (laughs) in their comfort zone and, um, asking them what they care about and being somebody who they may not traditionally trust because of my political party. And so, um, it's a very interesting experience and space to be, but I kind of thrive on it. I really like it. I actually like it when people push back a little bit, Because in a kind way, um, and I I will say I'm also very surprised at how how mean people can be just because of a political party. They will slam the door, tell me to get off their porch. And, you know, in the past, in the beginning, I would, um, those doors would be really hard to overcome. I'm not saying I have thicker skin because I don't want thicker skin. I want that to hurt. I want that pain to be there because I don't ever want to get so... um, used to this job in a way that it's like oh that's that's just how it is and, yeah, and yeah. no I want you to know that I'm a human there's humanity in this work and you don't get to just be cruel because we don't agree politically
1: Yeah,
0: um, where does that like tenacity come
1: from because you can't just develop that in a week of knocking doors Mm -hmm. like that's something that you've grown up with clearly like
0: yeah you know i think my whole life has been about persevering and working hard and trying to stay focused on positive and and not just the negative and knowing that those challenges really are opportunities to grow though at the time i would never be able to articulate those things but there are certainly pivotal moments in my life i can think back like eighth grade geometry that I had to overcome a a C and, and get a B plus, you know, (laughs) and, um, days after school, there was a time I was on the Palm squad that I was cut out of the competition squad because I wasn't hitting all the motions properly, but I still showed up for practice every day. And so I think those moments, um, are what I, I do think back on when it's like, okay, it's not perfect and you have a lot of work to do, but you do have to keep showing up even if you're dragging your feet. Yeah. And I think I, I just understand human beings enough that when they're pushing back and that lack of kindness sometimes under is really coming from a place of, um, a lack of knowledge on the topic or, um, their own insecurities versus it being about me. Um, and I just want to show something different. And so if, now it doesn't mean that I am uh, subject to abuse or anything, right. but I will stand there and take it until they get to a place where they can trust me and know that I'm not going anywhere and I'm not trying to do whatever's in your, whatever fear you have in your mind. Yeah. I'm really trying to serve. I'm really trying to listen under and understand, even if we don't end up in the same place. Um, I'm really trying. Yeah. And most things that I vote on and that we tackle at the Capitol Are not what people um, like. The things I have to think about and consider are the real life people in my district, not the philosophical differences that we have. (laughs) So arguing about that and not getting to know each other is actually counterproductive. Yeah. But
1: are you the oldest or the youngest?
0: Of my family, oldest. Yeah. yeah. You are the oldest. Yeah.
1: Does that kind of and I'm the oldest as well. And I'm how many younger brother and youngest siblings were always mm-hmm. like the feisty ones kind of thing and my brother definitely is um reason I asked that was like trying to lead into see if being older and like I said your parents divorcing was that what led you to kind of be become a leader from a young age mm-hmm. and just kind of naturally take to leadership
0: yeah. yeah yeah I'm um <sighs> Yeah. I, you know, I just kind of assumed the role of needing to be mom (laughs) and needing to be an example for my sister and, um, helping my dad as much as I could. And my sister and I are five years apart. So, you know, once I started driving, I could really help out with the things that she needed to do and, and, and be dropped off and dropped off and picked up and all that kind of stuff. And, um, and I think that happens, especially as children, when you go through adversity like that, you figure out what your role is so you can survive and and, yeah. um, and cope with what's going on. Um, but, yeah, I think leadership is something that does come natural for me. There are times where I have to tell myself you need to lead differently. It doesn't mean you're at the front or, you know, yeah. you need to take the sideline on this one or be more of a follower and hear and listen and understand. And, but leadership is a value for me and something that like I mentioned at UCO, that was just such a huge, um, that was a really important component that, that the administration at the time, and now, but at the time, really wanted integrated in our curriculum. And, and that's why the leadership minor um, was developed. And And so I take leadership very seriously. I think if you're in a leadership yeah. role, even if it's politics, um, there is something different about leading versus power and management. Um, yeah. Leadership to me is is the heart of what you do and caring for people. And even if you disagree figuring out a way to move forward together and not get so caught up in, in yeah. the conflict but
1: and it's not just like it's not just people who are in like I said people who are in power that are leadership like it's in every part of anybody's life mm-hmm. yeah. um, and it's quite funny with the timing of this interview because i just got done listening to um extreme ownership mm-hmm. the book by um leif badman and jocko willick from mm-hmm. the seal team stuff and they you know, they break down all their leadership stuff and it's really interesting like how they apply it to business and how they apply it to daily lives, mm-hmm. and it, it's kind of a mind shift, isn't it? And then yeah. you know you you apply that to, like I said, it's not just the CEO who's dealing with a company or yourself in the position that you're in. It's you know the mum on it daily life that she's got to lead her kids, mm-hmm. and I think people see leadership as a a bad word. Not they it's just seeing it in a good light and changing the meanings or changing how they view that word. And like you know, what do you mean like leading her kids? Well the kids have got to grow up one way and they need to look at someone right, right? and you have to be that light and it's just really interesting and yeah. there's a lot of things that go into leadership that people don't even think about right uh and i think like you said from leading from a young age and and having the people around you and then having that experience at the school that you went to to mm-hmm. see the kids and have those real conversations mm-hmm. it all makes sense to where you are now right yeah. it all kind of it's weird yeah, how that all works isn't it it's like you bring weird. it together and you're like yeah. Whoa, really? Yeah. You know?
0: Well, and to your point about anyone being a leader and there's different, you know, leaders, leadership is necessary in all aspects of our lives. What was so eye opening when I worked with the girls at Emerson was that I said to them, and as I worked through the Girl Scouts, you know, all those years I was there, I would tell girls, you are leaders. And they'd say, no, we're not. Yeah. And I and we have to shift that, especially for young women, so that they'll pursue leadership opportunities as they, as they get older and decide that what their professions are. And regardless of what the industry is, um, and to, when you instill that leadership potential in somebody, they, or help them see it, they, you act differently, you do things differently. You, you you um, envision things for your life a little differently. And so that was always my main focus when I worked with the girls at Girl Scouts. And even when I had an opportunity to to train volunteers and what I saw uh, missing was that even our volunteers who are troop leaders, leader is in their title, they didn't think of themselves as leaders. And so I would always start my trainings off saying you are leaders of our community. People look to you. You may not be the mayor Mm -hmm. and you may not be a state representative representative or whatever is in your mind that a leader is but you are someone who is trusted in the community who obviously has the ability to um, make things happen and so they will come to you whether there's yeah. your girl's parents in your troop or others in your church or community or whatever. And uh, it was so eye opening to me too to have um some women who would say, I don't I'm not a leader. I'm just doing this because my daughter wants to do Girl Scouts. Yeah. Like it's so much bigger than that, you know, and and I just love when people realize that about themselves. Yeah. Definitely. So
1: it's really cool to see, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Especially like I said, from a young age. And and I've had on the podcast um uh Justin Rader who uh I hope he's listening because he's an awesome dude. And if you are listening, thank you. (laughs) Um, He has a martial arts school and he teaches kids martial arts. And Mm -hmm. when we did the podcast, he was talking about this one uh, specific little girl who, uh, from a young age, you know, he he was busy and he always gives them leadership roles and stuff and is big on leadership. And this young girl, like, led a class Mm -hmm. or started the class and started to lead the class of kids who are much older than her. And you know, and like getting him ready. And he, he's just like, I think he was having an interview with someone, so he couldn't start it and just said, you know, you can do it, do it. And he's like watching as he's interviewing this person and he's like, that's why he does what he does, right? Because it's yeah. just leadership. And it's all, not just females, it's all, all kids and right. all ages, whatever it is. But that's one thing that came to mind from, from what you just said that's yeah. really cool. Yeah. Um, so back to winning day. Yes. And then um, like... Obviously, that feeling is just like amazing. Mm-hmm. You know, congrats, it's awesome. Now what? Yeah. <laughs> what is it like? Because, like I said, it was you know, that first one that you had to win, it wasn't election time, right? Mm -hmm. What was that second time like when it's real, you know, election time, everyone's expecting it? Yeah. And then to win that, what was that whole, whole like, how different was that?
0: Yeah, the re-election after 2015 was actually more difficult and I knew would be more challenging because, um, you know, immediately the media said that it was a fluke and that it was a special election. So it was lower turnout. And um, so that's when there's lower turnout, Democrats win. That's what That's what was said constantly. And then, of course, in 2016 was the presidential race. And that is just such a big hurdle to overcome because, like I mentioned earlier, people get so caught up in the national politics. They sort of forget what's happening on a local level. I think the benefit of knocking doors for so many years helped me in in 2016, though I did not take one day for granted. I knew it would be difficult. And it was a balance of learning how to be a new legislator, knowing I wanted to do things at the Capitol, but that I I really had to fight to win again in order to, if I actually really wanted to be a state representative and not be this like half of a term state representative. And so um, my life was just overwhelmingly packed with capital and then fundraising and then door knocking and really just having no days off then either. Um, and trying to navigate and, and share, you know, there was a time when I first got back on the doors after the special election, it was like, I know you just elected me, but I was <laughs> coming by to see if you would reelect me. Yeah. Um, and that's kind of how I said it. I tried to make it funny. I tried to make it seem like I know this is ridiculous yeah. or, you know, and, and, you know, some of my now constituents would say, you know, Oh, well, what have you done? You haven't done anything yet. You know? <laughs> yeah. I'm like, I know I haven't messed anything up. So, <laughs> uh, but, but yeah, that was, that was interesting. And, um, But I just knew my focus had to be winning in 2016. So it was pretty nerve wracking. And again, multiple Republicans who filed to run against me, um, huge target on my back and, and people just could not believe that I won and, um, But what I appreciate about my constituents, especially those who and if they are listening or they end up listening, especially those who disagree with me, I really appreciate the fact that they will look beyond the politics and that they will see me for me and they they can hear my passion for what I care about and that they trust me outside of the political rhetoric and, and what's happening today, Mm -hmm. you know, at the national level, but at the local level, I mean, it's sort of everywhere. And, um, and I, and I do attribute that to my hard work. I'm not going to deny that, you know, my hard work had nothing to do with this. It, it had everything to do with it. Um, and I think people do see that I genuinely care, um, so I so, you know, in 2015, well, of course, the first election, you have a watch party in 2015. I had a watch party in 2016. No watch party. I was like, I yeah. want to be by myself. <laughs> and I wasn't by myself. I was with my campaign team. And, you know, with the presidential election and all that going on, there's no point in competing with all that. Yeah. And I really just kind of for once wanted to just soak it in. Um, and I felt good about it. I felt confident about it. But you always have ele- I can't explain Or maybe I can, or maybe you would understand with maybe other life experiences, but election day nervousness and anxiety is a whole different feeling I've never felt before until I started running for office and, um but I felt good going into that day and I, I knocked door on election day to keep myself occupied. But also, you know, there are people who legitimately forget, I mean, life happens yeah. and they're like, Oh, thank God you came by cause I wouldn't have voted. Um, and that happened especially at this during the special election, I had a family coming home from the lake and they said, had you not been here? I mean, we'll go vote really quick and come yeah. back. You know, we had, we, we didn't, weren't thinking about that. Um, so yeah, and it was very just very stressful and and a lot of pressure on me. But I felt like even in my short time in 2015, once I got elected, my first session was in 2016 um the spring and but I felt like I built good relationships. I feel mm-hmm. like my colleagues really understood and respected what I had overcome and um not saying they didn't, you know, maybe work against me or you yeah. know. I mean, that's just politics, but um But yeah, and I think my my constituents wanted to honor the hard work and and wanted to, you know, make sure that I knew that it wasn't a fluke, that it didn't matter what the media had to say. And so, um, and that was all because of the relationship building. So,
1: well, so when you get real, like that 2016, what Mm -hmm. was that next two years like? what kind of
0: oh I mean, <laughs> like I'm the capital the, and- yeah like
1: you know I mean was that like first time walking in getting a parking space yeah, you know yeah. and like well 20 25- getting an office yeah so stuff.
0: 2015 was I mean um and I actually um, my colleague and friend representative Claudia Griffith who unfortunately passed away last July I mean as soon as I got elected she's like come on we're gonna go get your parking pass we're gonna go yeah. get all the things and make sure you're all set up and so thank God for her because yeah. she sort of just showed me the roast because when you're coming in in a special election, you don't get the same orientation as freshmen do. And you're just kind of, and although I did get, you know, staff did give me information and tried to help as much as I could, but it's just sort of a weird time. Yeah. Um, but once I got reelected, you know, just felt like I could get just a little bit more comfortable, not too comfortable, but a little bit more comfortable. Yeah. And but, you know, when you look back on on what was going on in 2016, 17 and 18 in Oklahoma politics, it was a very chaotic, stressful time in our state um, when it came to our finances and and getting revenue into our budget and and to stop cutting services and to stop cutting agencies in such a way that were really, um, life or death situations for people in our state and I could have never ever in my life imagined what I would be experiencing with uh, the walkout but before that there was a mental health advocacy day where people were sharing um, really disheartening stories of the services that were basically saving their life that were being threatened to be cut and when you hear people's stories again it's it is if you I feel if you're doing your job right they should wreck you they mm-hmm. should destroy you when you hear stories like that and it should push you to want to fight for something better and fight for a solution fight for some way to to make a compromise and the teacher walkout is something I'll never forget I mean yeah I really still need to sit down I did do um I do write a lot on social media and um I tried to spend those because I did feel powerless some days because, you know, again, being in the minority, yeah, uh, you only have so much room to be able to push things in the direction that you'd like them to go. And um, and so every day I would basically post on my Facebook something that I was hoping would encourage the teachers and sort of my way of journaling and what yeah. I was experiencing on the other side and to let them know that not everybody's against them and we're fighting and trying to find solutions. And, but I still need to find time to really reflect in journal because that, that, that was a time that really turned things around. I think in terms of, I don't think that things are just all better now. Mm-hmm. I do think that people are more aware of what's happening at the Capitol. And so they're more engaged, which was very much missing in Oklahoma politics. Yeah. And, um, therefore they are holding us at a different level of accountability, which I think is necessary. And it's inspiring people who have, um, different backgrounds who don't look like everyone at the Capitol, who don't sound like everyone at the Capitol to realize that they are capable of oh, yeah. maybe running for office because yeah, I think involved. Even
1: people who were elected this year or recently, it's very diverse, Yeah, isn't it?
0: It's a lot different. Uh,
1: which is good. <laughs> yes. You know, um, I can't remember the gentleman's name. I'm thinking of, but it is very diverse, and which is good. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of people, I'm sure, like said, don't see it that way, right? Which is, I mean, that's politics, isn't right. it? You know, um, but no, I think it's it's moving in the right direction. And even the short time that I've been here and kind of paid a little bit of attention to it, it's you know, it's, it seems like people are doing the right thing or trying at least to do mm-hmm. the right thing. Yeah, um,
0: it just takes a lot of effort and it takes a lot of resources and you know, for those of us, regardless of political party, but for those of us who don't think in the, you know, in the majority or the status quo or have, you know, slightly different ideas, it just takes more work for us to, to get the message across Mm -hmm. and to get people to see us. But it is possible. You just have to stick with it.
1: Is it, uh, and I'm, this, this question's from seeing a post, uh, Jason Dunnington's a friend. Okay. Um, from, through other friends, mm-hmm. uh, his dad taught at my university, um, and just kind of seeing some of the stuff that he has to put up with on Facebook. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, he he is very into, I think, his Facebook posts mm-hmm. and likes to, you know, he won't he won't back down from some of the comments that yeah. he gets, yeah. which is great comical reading. If mm-hmm. you want to read it, it's kind of fun, mm-hmm. uh, especially from my point of view where, it, like said, I can't vote yet. So like me just reading it and just seeing sitting on the fence, you know, yeah. um, but how has that been with posting stuff? Because like I said, you know, you're going to have people who don't, don't agree with you. Mm-hmm. You're going to have people who do. And it's the worst kind of people when they get behind their laptop. Yeah. You know? Like yeah. they're never gonna say that to you in person. Right. Most of them won't anyway. What has that been like to deal yeah. with?
0: In the beginning I um I had a few people that would push back and, and leave comments that weren't kind and um and they were sort of Regulars would like yeah. pop up, and so um, I just started messaging them and would say, "Do you want to get coffee? Do you want to, you know, yeah. talk more?" Or, and, and their tune kind of changes, and it goes exactly to your point that behind a screen things are different yeah. until you again have to. F- Face the human being and put the humanity back into it. I'll get phone calls too where people are so angry and then I call back and they're like, oh, I'm so sorry. You know, I was just angry in that moment. I just want to get my point across. And, but that has taught me and helped me to realize that when we connect, we do better. But Uh when we're disconnected and we can demonize each other, um, I will say there are certain topics that I'll post about where I'll get more negative activity. um, But, You just kind of have to know that, yeah, people aren't going to agree with you and and you have to move on. And if there is something that's really bothering me that someone's saying um, and I think is just highly inappropriate, I will reply or I will call them or contact them. Um, Sometimes it's interesting to watch the dialogue between constituents and see what they have to say and and how they're reacting towards each other. And, um, yeah, Facebook comments are not the best place (laughs) (laughs) to get uh to build any kind of relationship to work towards any kind of common goal but um yeah social media is such an interesting aspect of all this right plays a huge
1: role in everything yeah like i said even getting the word out for election day or voting or whatever it is like it's a tool now isn't it Mm -hmm. but like i said it can be used for some of the great things and also some of the you know some of the really bad things the way people use it. Yeah. Um, and people, I don't think, know how to use it properly. Right. And that's mostly the bad things. Yeah. But um, present day, we've had a pretty crazy kind of, ok- like I guess, year in Oklahoma politics, mm-hmm. right? With what the, the legalization of marijuana with a card, mm-hmm. uh, paymentless carry, which we've had recently. And then, you know, the uh, commutation that came out, which was, you know, all these things that have happened recent. What's the buzz like around the Capitol with all yeah. that stuff happening?
0: Yeah, so this session has been very different compared to my last three sessions that yeah. I've served. One, there's a new governor. There's a whole new class of freshmen. Um, I'm, I think in the house we have fifty something. I think almost half, or that may be the total in the entire building. But, but that's a lot of new members. That's a lot of um, uh, fresh faces who and and people who just don't have that. Um, experience of being in the legislature when we were having some really difficult times yeah which is nice so it sort of changes the energy and the culture of what's going on and um but at the same time um we are in a better place financially because of all that hard work because of that back and forth and and just some days terrible terrible (laughs) days um and now we sort of get to reap in those benefits, mm-hmm. you know, but um, there's still so much more to do. We're nowhere near where we should be because when you look at agencies and the services that they provide, many are not at, at back to the place where they were about a decade ago before we started experiencing all these revenue failures and, yeah. and really um, starting to get into a bad place financially as a state. Um, and there was this um, you could sense there was this desire to work together because many people did get elected after the walkout who'd experienced Mm -hmm. the walkout, who were teachers or who had been there advocating for teachers. And, um, I think what they saw when, and what they experienced coming to the Capitol, they wanted to be different. Yeah. And I think people generally want to work together when it comes to all of these issues. It's not like we just come to the Capitol and everybody's ready to, to fight. Yeah. Um, there it's just human nature to want to, to find a way to collaborate. Mm -hmm. Um, but we have, we have philosophical differences. And so that keeps us from doing some of that. Um, but, you know, the good things that have come out of this session, the criminal justice reform piece, the retroactivity bill that Representative Dunnington and Eccles and um, se- Senator Stephanie Bice worked on, you know, it, it has been pretty neat to see a piece of legislation pass, be worked on and, and all that during session. And then come November 1st, you get to s- physically see the change um, and see the Pardon and Parole Board do, do what the legislation said and the governor do what the legislation yeah. said and then to see people leave uh, prison and go and get reconnected with their families and their communities. And, and so that does show us what's possible when we work together. I think more importantly, it shows us what happens when Oklahomans start to... Um, look at the data. I mean, you know, that bill wouldn't have even been drafted if it weren't for qu- State Question 780 and 781, which is what changed the okay. um, the low-level drug offenses for um, from felony to misdemeanor. And that was an initiative petition that was put on the ballot and passed by the people. Yeah. And so the people are ready for a change. And so it's really exciting to see when Oklahomans get more engaged um, and how more forward thinking we are than we maybe are sometimes perceived yeah. and how compassionate people can be when they start to hear the real life stories of people who are who are being mistreated or, you um, just don't have the opportunity to live to their fullest potential mm-hmm. like everybody else. And so, um, so yeah, that's been a very exciting and encouraging thing, but you know, years of work have gone into that too. Um, Governor Fallon and I don't always agree on everything. She also represented my house district when she was in the state house. So it's okay. kind of interesting, yeah. but when it came to criminal justice reform, she, she, did her best to be a champion on that issue and to make a change there. And so, again, this governor and this legislature sort of get to reap the benefits of of that that work and of course democrats have always been talking about criminal justice reform and so we're very excited to see um our republican colleagues sort of shift on that issue um so it is neat to see these conservative think tanks and more liberal think tanks come together and they're like sharing the stage on panels and talking about the same thing maybe coming at it from a different perspective but ultimately getting to the same goal yeah. Same thing with medical marijuana. Um, you know, everyone said that wouldn't pass. Because it has
1: to go to ballot to be like fully legal, right?
0: Yeah. So recreational right. marijuana is not yeah. legalized here in Oklahoma. Just medical marijuana. Is that going to be? Do you think they'll be on the
1: ballot, or is it on the ballot for the? Most I
0: don't know. I have not heard. I knew. I know that once medical marijuana had passed. um,
1: that's like the next progression is yeah to make it, but I
0: haven't really heard a yeah. lot of like organization there it could be happening and I just may not be aware yeah, but I, I know that that was the next step mm. that the group who worked on the medical marijuana yeah. uh, state question were interested in that so yeah yeah
1: and then the permitless carry which for me being from the UK like just like I mentioned sending pictures to my friends back yeah. home like hey this is legal now they all think it's nuts in the UK obviously because mm-hmm. that's just like you know, we have a bunch of different laws on guns and you, you can't have a gun basically unless it's a shooting sport and it's all these totally different to the States. Um, and just explaining that to my mum, my mum being a typical mother is like, w- what do you mean, you know? Yeah. I like like, it's fine. Like, there's don't worry about it. But, you know, like, do you get a lot of random phone calls about that as well? And like that whole like situation with it, when it passed and both sides, you know, Yes, this is good and this is not. What is because that's quite a big issue, isn't it? Yeah. Recently, so oh yeah. How, how has it been like that for you personally on like your side of you know yeah. what you do?
0: So I um I don't think that I received one email. I could be wrong. We do track communications in my office, but I don't. I know overwhelmingly it was to vote no. Yeah. Um, because people, even those who are gun owners, who um, you know believe in training and background check and background checks and licensing and all of that. They really value what they have done in order to have their gun. And, um, so, you know, many of the people who contacted me said, this is common sense to vote against it because children, we care about our children. We care about our families. We care about our businesses being safe. Um we had, you know, the Lake Hefner shooting that happened on my birthday, unfortunately, last year oh, um, no way. was in my district. Yeah. And so uh, that sort of sparked a lot of um, it triggered a lot of feelings and experiences. And and so overwhelmingly, my district did not support Permalist Carey. Right. Um, and it was really unfortunate and disheartening that the governor signed that legislation first out of everything that he signed, um, because that's not our priority as a state. And now we're seeing the ramifications of what's happening um Although it's only been ten days or eleven days, well, yeah. what is today? Uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean this will yeah. go out. So, so like yeah. two weeks right. since the law has actually come into effect, and and we and there are those there are the you know the gun and I'm using quotation marks yeah. advocates who are out um,
1: making an, an example. Yeah, and and that just something.
0: is not. Doesn't productive. seem smart. To me. Yeah, and it's not <laughs> safe. And, you know, we talk a lot about childhood trauma and trauma informed care and adverse childhood experiences. And that's that's another topic and issue that uh, we're really working on a, on a state that I do have a lot of hope for. Yeah. But um, it seems to be there's a disconnect. Of course, mm-hmm. there's a disconnect in a lot of what goes on in politics. But having somebody with a AR-15 strapped on their chest at a park yeah. is traumatic for children and families to see that. And so um, we have to consider those things if we want to be a trauma-informed state or if we want to be a state that takes trauma seriously and wants to advocate for healing. And so um, I don't understand that. And yeah. um, I really am just so disheartened around the issues when it, around the conversation on the issue of guns, because we can have common sense legislation. We can have discussions about guns. And, and I understand that Oklahomans value owning their guns and, and having concealed carry licenses and hunting and, and want to honor that while also keeping communities safe and not going overboard with our decisions to appease a few people. Um, so it it is very frustrating and and I do worry for our communities I worry for communities of color I worry for you know situations that are are so large that you know it's like how do you control and and keep people safe at these big events and and things like that yeah, so
1: there's a lot that's going to go into it and like mm-hmm. you said like we're only two weeks in at the point of recording this and you know, people now, like, because it's past, they're trying to make an example. And it's, like, the hot period because it's past and it'll, you know, fizzle out. And hopefully, you know, someone in six months will be walking around a park mm-hmm. um, with yeah. that. But, yeah, it's it's strange. Yeah. And, I mean, I for me, obviously not growing up here, it's strange. Like, when we would see police with guns, they're usually in the airports. And that was pretty much after 9-11. Mm-hmm. And that was, you know, and, and walking around London, you'd always kind of see... Mm-hmm. um but yeah, it's, it's, it's just different. And, yeah. you know, there's, you know, there's both sides of it, like you said. And I, I have a friend who um, was, I don't know if he's still working. I don't think he is, but he was federally, federally trained, you know, with his weapon. He has to pass a bunch of tests mm-hmm. and, you know, uh, he's a Democrat, you know, and he's mm-hmm. just like, He's also very, very, very vocal on Facebook, which is hilarious. <laughs> yeah. But, um, yeah, I don't know. It's just kind of a strange time. Yeah. And it's kind of weird to see where this will go. Uh, hopefully it doesn't end in anything bad. Yeah. And, you know, hopefully, I hope like I said, people who yeah. voted for it are very sensible. Mm-hmm. Um, and if something does go bad, then, like I said, what happened happen with the Lake Hampton shooting? Someone will be there and take care of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, luckily, before any of it. So there is both sides of it. But, yeah, it's, uh, it's just strange. And, yeah. I mean... For, for us you know be on the outside and you're on the inside must be just kind of like you know you're under the roof forever and all these yeah. w- all these crazy things are going yeah. on <laughs> and you know and that's just a little bit of it right you have all mm-hmm. the other stuff that goes on as well yeah um not to mention the teacher walkout the place was packed mm-hmm. yes wasn't it
0: every day um, every day and you know it distracts us from the issues that and people will argue that you know well this is the mo- most important issue for me well I understand. But, yeah. you know, when we're talking about our state in general and as a whole, what are we doing to make sure that our our people are taken care of? And right. what are we doing to make sure that kids have the resources they need and families do? And that is my priority. That's why I ran for office. Um, I did want to mention my dad is was in the military. I, I know I mentioned that earlier. So guns were just a, that, you know, we my dad. No it one was in natural my you growing up around it, right? Well, no, no, no. I didn't have guns. But it's because the perspective was in the military, we have weapons <laughs> yeah. and that's what we use and we know why we use them. So I don't need that at home. Okay. And so we didn't have guns and I do not own a gun. Does that mean that I want to take everyone's gun away? No. Yeah. But I want to be smart about what we are, what decisions we're making because there is, there are consequences to our decisions and we are getting ready to face them. In fact, I had a constituent reach out who at a restaurant in my district, there was a gun in the bathroom or something. Yeah. So it's situations like that, that parents are now having to think, you know, there's already so many things that parents have to think about for their children and their safety. and, and, And now it's that extra layer of, we are, we have legalized allowing people to have guns just out in the open everywhere yeah. no matter what who cares yeah it's just not safe right and, and it's, it's not about gun rights it's no it's just about general safety. safety
1: and like i said it goes back to the whole like goal of where you want to take this state where this the people of the state want to go with not just the one law that passed with everything mm-hmm. and it goes back to like your leadership of it and how do you all come together and take this in the right direction rather than just focus on one thing, mm-hmm. like you're focusing on one thing over, over everything else, right? You know, and that could be good things and bad things for whatever party you're at. You right. Know, it's just like everyone just focuses on this because it's just a huge dish issue, I guess. Right. But then forgets about whatever it is, the teachers or you know the kids or what you know little mm-hmm. things yeah. that they think is little things, but in the grand scheme of things, is huge for the state. Exactly. So I'm sure some days, like you said, have been harder than worse but just banging your head against the wall yeah what is going on here Why you know why do i do what i do yeah um but what about like i guess you know coming towards the end of the year now and then um you know like i said next year is a big year
0: Mm -hmm. what's
1: kind of the plan (laughs) for the future and and do you always kind of see yourself doing this
0: yeah so you know this time of year is very interesting because this is when our first deadlines come so Mm -hmm. these are like internal things but um we start you know Putting together what we're going to work on in the next session, and um, you know the Democrats and Republicans both in the House and Senate all meet. They're called caucuses, so the groups meet and and go on retreat and sort of reflect back on the year and and then what's to come and. <laughs> So there's a lot of planning our first deadlines in December to say, this is what we're thinking about working on. And then we start drafting that legislation over the holidays. And by we, I mean our, the staff attorneys and researchers in the house who do a great job and work through the holidays. It's just, it's crazy what they have to do. Um, And then come January, um, everything is filed and introduced. So that's sort of the first step. And then session starts the first Monday of February. So, so then February and May, we, we, work on legislation and and policy and the budget. And the budget is really the only constitutionally required piece of legislation we vote on. (laughs) Um, And so we have to get the budget completed. And then of course it's an election year so that that adds more work every day just to, you know, balancing both doing the work at the Capitol and then making sure I'm out campaigning. Um, And I am the caucus chair of the house Democrats. So I do hold a leadership position in the caucus. And so I'm very, concerned and interested in making sure that our caucus that all our members get reelected, who are running for re-election and then you know that we grow and yeah. and we have new members who come and uh, represent their communities and with house democrats uh in terms of the future i hope i get to do this as long as possible yeah. we term limit at 12 years i'll have 13 because of that year that i okay. in 2015 that was technically me finishing out Uh, David Dank's term and so yeah I mean like I mentioned there are days that are very difficult and there are days that I question what I'm doing and why I'm doing it because there, there are days where you just can't find a solution or, you know, think about your work day and you're like, okay, well, what did I accomplish today? Yeah. <laughs> Some days that's hard to find. And I have to dig deep to figure out what it is that I accomplished. But I, I do really feel like this is something I meant to do. And I have no idea what it looks like past the house. Yeah. Um, I do get that question a lot. Um, I have no idea. You know, I I sort of just trust the path will appear once I get closer to the end, I guess. Um, But I really do. I do love being in the house. And I love my colleagues who I get to work with. And I love seeing the change. And I love seeing you know, especially women when we doubt ourselves and, but then we stand up and fight for what we believe in and we fight for our values. It's just so inspiring Mm. to see. And, um, I'm, I'm good talking like this conversationally and, and, but, you know, I just get this weird nervousness when it's time for me to get up and debate. And, you know, it's like, I've done my research, I've done my work, I've written out the, what I, the words that I'm going to say, but you understand the power in standing up on the house floor and 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 sometimes that just kind of overwhelms me but when i see other women doing it i just feel like you know if they can do it i can do it and we support each other and so the increase of women helps at the capitol regardless of what side of the aisle they're on and and of course my goal is to get more women elected um so yeah i'm i'm Excited about the construction going on at the Capitol. <laughs> Still, a lot of that will be different once yeah. we get back next year. Had it
1: started when you first moved in? Mm-hmm. So it's literally yeah. been a lot of it has been inter-
0: exterior and right. then some of the like not so fancy aesthetic things that you don't see, like the rewiring yeah. and, and all of that. Um, although I got an insider look once I first got elected, you know, some of these spaces that have been improved have just been incredible. But now mm. we get to experience, you know, updated offices and and things like that that were really needing to happen in order for the building to be preserved um to go into its next hundred years. And, you know, um, and it's important that we take care of the building. This building is not just about politicians and where we office, this is the people's house. They should um, be able to walk into a building that's safe and not crumbling and, and all of that. And so, so that's very exciting. And, um, I, I have just had a tough personal year, so I'm very much looking forward to 2020. And I think a lot of it is just a culmination of, you know, Everything I've been through in my elections and just learning to take time for myself and take care of myself and slow down um, and really remember who Cindy is and get back to the things that make me feel like a whole person. And um, that is not always discussed in our line of work, but... I think it really needs to be. And, and to know that, you know, especially those of us again, who don't come from wealthy backgrounds or we don't have partners who bring in an additional salary. Mm -hmm. I mean, the financial piece of this has uh, been difficult. I make it through, but um, you know, figuring out where you're going to spend your free time for work and how, how do you make extra money for income and for your own livelihood and while doing something you really love and feel called to do, um, it can wear you down. And so I try not to focus so much on that. And I am grateful. I have great friends and people in my life who um, support me as Cindy and and help me through those difficult times. But
1: what so what outside of work what what stuff do you kind of do to just like release have fun and yeah. like I said you have great friends What's- yes
0: I used to run a lot and I'm really trying to get back into that I've taken so many and I wasn't like this like ultra marathon or elite <sighs> runner or something but I was doing it regularly and it really became a space for me to release stress but trying to get back into that it's very hard after a couple of years off and it just like Oh, it feels like I'm starting from ground zero, which I am in a sense. Um, it's really hard for me to have fun because I'm such a like work and I need to accomplish, but I like being outside and I like, um, reading and hiking. And, you know, these, these are all things I don't get to do very often, but trying to make sure I make space for it. And, um, and yeah, just with my friends, you know, I have some friends who are having children and their lives are, lives are changing. So it's kind of fun seeing them interact with their kids and being, being able to do that too. And with them. Um, and like I mentioned, my sister had a baby, yeah. you know, about two years ago. So getting to spend time with my nephew and, family yeah, and things like that. He's got a personality
1: and his too and he's yes. like able to oh, kind of hang yeah, out and do it's fun kind stuff. Of, yeah,
0: I'm ready for him to talk because yeah. I just want to know what's going on in his brain. Um, So that's really fun. I really, I really love just seeing him grow and it is so interesting seeing like your sister have a baby and mm-hmm. then it's like looking at this person who I can see myself in, I can see my dad in and my sister and yeah. her husband and it's just kind of interesting. Um. But yeah, in terms of like relaxing and things like that, for me, it's just being quiet and, and my spiritual life and faith life is really important and Mm -hmm. uh, making sure I reconnect with that daily. I mean, it. I know it seems silly to say this, but sometimes that's really hard um, to do when you're just going, going, going and and thinking that you can just be self-sufficient and right. provide for yourself in every aspect of your life and just remembering I don't have to do it all. Um, I have a great therapist too. I have no shame in sharing that yeah. and someone who really gets what I do in my work and helps me to focus on myself too. So, mm-hmm. um, So yeah, that's what I do when yeah. I'm not knocking doors and at the Capitol and
1: <laughs> right because I'm sure it's so important especially in your line of work to have that like release or mm-hmm. have that something that you can just kind of like step away because I'm sure you know when you're going at and you're busy you're falling asleep mm-hmm. tired from doing work thinking about work and waking up and going again mm-hmm. you know it's not like your everyday 40-hour week where you come home you know you might watch netflix cook dinner and then have a hot bath before yeah. you go to bed <laughs> yeah. right
0: i wish there were more days <laughs> like that but
1: um but no i think uh you know it's it's an exciting time to mm-hmm. be where you're at to kind of time in this state and you know with everything going on it's uh like i said from from everything that's led up to this point you know you're definitely in the right place right yeah and i can see that in the passion that you talk with and just how you know like you said, you, the whole just 12 years or 13 years that you could, could be doing this for mm-hmm. and you have every intention of doing it for that long, yeah. which is really cool to see. Yeah. And I'm sure people like they love that from, you know, knocking on the door and stuff mm-hmm. and, and seeing that across and people who followed you for the time that you've been doing this. Yeah. Because they know that, OK, like if I vote this way, you know, this is going to this has potential to stay in or at least be worked on for a long period of time. You're not coming in and say, no, I was a politician and now I'm going to go on something else. Right. Um, But no, it's exciting. And I now understanding how busy this time is, I really appreciate you coming in for (laughs) an hour uh, or a little bit over an hour in China. So um, for people who are listening, how can like they get involved? How can they help you? Mm -hmm. What are you know, a little bit of a you can plug whatever you want to plug. Oh, nice. Um,
0: (laughs) Well, of course, you know, 2020 is coming up. And so, you know, we always have to remind people that elections are won by dollars. Yeah. Raised and doors knocked. And so, you know, if if whoever's listening feels compelled to support me financially, I would appreciate that, of course. Um, I do have a website. It's just cindymunson.com, C Y N D I M U N S O N.com. And um, you can follow me on social media. My uh, representative page is Representative Cindy A. Munson. And then Twitter is Cindy Munson85. And then Instagram is just Cindy Munson. Okay. And so um, I try to post as regularly as possible. You know, during session, I certainly uh, try to keep everyone up to date with what's happening, and um, you can sign up for newsletters and things like that. Um, e- whether you live in my district or not, you know, when I post events about town halls, and I and I try to have regular coffee meetings with my constituents. Anyone is welcome to come and mm-hmm. and listen and hear. And I have had people from different communities who come and say, you know, I drove all the way from Yukon, or you know to come and hear what you had to say just to get a different perspective. And I think that's just so amazing that people would take time to go outside of their community to hear what others have to say. And I think that's great. Um, And then of course, if you have any questions or need something from my office, um, cindy.munson at okhouse.gov is my official email account. And really is if you have any kind of legislative Business or questions or events you want me to attend, that really is the best place to get a hold of me because. Mm Um, it's not just my set of eyes looking at it. I have, uh, my legislative assistant catching things. So, um, because sometimes social media can get so overwhelming and, and you're looking at me, my phone is face down. So when I'm with people, I try not to look at my phone and so it can just get, I will turn it over and it will get really overwhelming text messages and and messages. And, and I always say, this is where it gets bottlenecked. (laughs) This is where we lose information because I just can't manage all of it. Um, And do the work that I'm doing. And so, um, so yeah, those are ways to, to, to stay in contact. And then if you feel compelled to want to get involved, you know, coming and knocking doors, we'll have regular door knocking opportunities once uh, the new year comes. So Mm -hmm. right now it's just sort of me reconnecting with constituents, but we'll have volunteer opportunities once the weather gets a little nicer for everybody. And
1: because fall lasted literally a week. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And things uh, just sort of Start to ramp up around election time, but yeah, yeah, it's kind of it's just crazy to think that it's already 2020. I can't believe it, but um, but yeah, I'm excited. Yeah. I'm looking forward to especially getting back and talking to my constituents because sometimes you get so caught up in the capital, you know, it's like you need to be reminded that you represent the people and mm-hmm. and to make sure you're out and and visiting with them.
1: Yeah, so. awesome. Well, I hope. Even if it's one person that just takes notice from this, uh, we've done our job. I've done my job. Yes, Uh, so (laughs) yeah, it's been worth
0: it. I I loved reflecting on your questions. Were really great to just sort of remind me. I always need that. there's one class that I go to at UCO and they always ask these very deep personal questions, but yeah. it always helps me to remind myself where I was and where I am and why it's important to keep going. And it's not just always about the politics of it all, but it's how it's developing me mm-hmm. and, um, and then how I get to like have these really cool relationships with people and, and be able to be their voice. Being someone's voice is not something you take lightly <laughs>
1: yeah yeah definitely because yeah. you know they're putting a lot of trust in you yeah um and i have no doubt that you're gonna do a great job and work yeah. very hard for it because yeah. like i said that's what you've been doing and that's you know you're very tenacious and just ready to get after it and like i said 2020 is already here and mm-hmm. you're already planning for it so again thanks so much for coming in i yeah. uh, really excited to just follow the progress and just see everything that you do so yeah.
0: thank you really
1: appreciate it thanks for listening guys and we'll catch you next
0: episode cheers